Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants. Hey, folks, you know, as we're going through this offseason, you can kind of look around and sort of say, where are the next hills to climb and who are the next great players we want to see do well and what are we witnessing that are all-time moments for certain teams and certain franchises. We've witnessed that absolutely up the up the 101. You've seen this decade has had the greatest era in the history of the San Francisco Giants. Now you can make the argument that the greatest talent the Giants ever had may have been in when they had Willie Mays and Willie McCovey and Orlando Cepeda and uh, Juan Marichal and Gaylord Perry and all those amazing teams they had. Yeah, you can make that argument. You can make the argument that the Barry Bonds era had some of the most dynamic teams and the the team that didn't make the postseason in 1993 was, could have been the greatest Giants team of all time in terms of talent. But we judge it based upon the production, what happened in the postseason, everything like that, and the fact that they delivered three world championships in this decade means this is the greatest decade. For San Francisco Giant fans, doesn't get any better than this. Greatest decade they've ever had. We've seen what there's been to Cub fans. We've seen what the last, you know, the Red Sox fans went through from the 04 through 2013. We saw, you know, the wonderful, wonderful White Sox teams over the years, but there'll never be another experience like a White Sox fan will experience in 2005. And so we're seeing some teams have their great classic moments and the great moments of the best players they've ever seen play. And we tend to do this and link this with the classic franchises. Now, if I go to baseballreference.com, the single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth. Now, using, again, I don't like to use refer to war that often because I don't know how it's calculated. But as I've said, I, while I don't know how it's calculated, I seem to agree with a lot of its results. If you look at the Red Sox, using they, they, they go, if you go to baseballreference.com on the franchise history of a page, they'll have the highest war totals of each franchise, like the top players. And if you look at, for example, the Red Sox, the top 20 they have with Ted Williams – and then you have Yastrzemski, Boggs, Clemens, Cy Young, Dwight Evans, Tris Speaker. I mean, the names you expect to see on here. Pedro's on there. Uh, Ortiz is on there. Bobby Doerr, Pedroia, Rice. You know, <laughs> oddly, Babe Ruth is still on there. You know, names you'd expect to see. But the greatest they list of all time is Ted Williams. And that's a, that's a, pretty, that's a pretty solid uh argument to make that, it, that it's Ted Williams. With the Yankees, I mean, my God, the Yankees' top 20 is pretty damn impressive. I mean, the top five right here are Ruth, Gehrig, Mantle, DiMaggio, Jeter. Boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom, ba boom. Even going down the line, you know, Berra, um, Ruffing, Ford, Rivera, Bill Dickey, 
you know, then, then you know, you had the lights of, you know, A-Rod and, you know, Roy White's on there, the incredibly underrated Roy White. But the all-time, greatest all-time Yankee, I mean, it's hard to make an argument that someone other than Babe Ruth. You go down some of these traditional franchises like, you know, the, the Cardinals, if you, the, the number one all-time they list is Stan Musial. And going down the line, they got the great players along there. For, for the San Francisco Giants, the best one-two punch I think you'll ever see is Mays Bonds at the top there. Which one is the greatest of all time? I think everyone would agree it would be Mays, but Bonds is, you know, your thoughts on his uh, PED use notwithstanding, he's high up there. And quite frankly, I'd rather have Bonds in his PED use than Cap Anson, who's on the top of the Cubs list, who kept putting up great numbers, partly because he was a big part in segregation. Uh, even franchises that have moved around, like the Braves, who've played in Boston, Milwaukee, and Atlanta, the, their top one, who do you think it is? Give it a thought. Give it a thought. It's not Biff Pokoroba. It's Hank Aaron. So you look at number one spot of a franchise that it tends to be a legendary figure. It tends to be an all-time great. And when you take a look at some of the newer franchises, some of the franchises that have been relatively new expansion teams, you wonder, am I watching the greatest player to ever play for said franchise, this franchise, this, that, or the other? And some, like the Seattle Mariners, their number one all-time is, a, is an all-time great. That would be Ken Griffey Jr. Tough to argue that. Probably the most talented player I've ever seen play in my life. For the San Diego Padres, the top one would be Mr. Tony Gwynn. Again, a Hall of Famer. You have those players who become the, the centerpiece of a team's history, even for a relatively new franchise. You know, the Mets, top one. You get Mr. Tom Seaver. Again, hard to argue with that one. And you see that a relatively young expansion team, young in terms of compared to the Braves, in terms compared to the Cardinals, can have an all-time great sitting at the top of the heap. The Arizona Diamondbacks also have a Hall of Famer in Randy Johnson as their all-time greatest player, you know, in terms of all the statistics that we'll put together. Milwaukee, uh, the Milwaukee Brewers have the combination of Yount and Molitor at the top of the hill. Even a team like the Colorado Rockies, created in 1993, have Todd Helton and Larry Walker at the top of their heap. Todd Helton, is he a Hall of Famer? It'll at least be a worthwhile debate to have. It brings us to Florida. Oh, and by the way, the Angels, another, you know, another expansion franchise in terms of one that was created, you know, not an original franchise. At the top of their heap is Chuck Finley, but come on, it, before you know it, it's going to be Mike Trout just in terms of he, all he needs is years. And Trout is going to be a Hall of Famer. But I'm going to go to the two franchises where I wonder if we're seeing the greatest players of all time play for them now. And I brought up Trout for that reason. Mike Trout is going to be the greatest angel of all time, on all statistical counts. All he has to do is not get hurt. That's all he has to do. Don't get hurt and continue putting up the numbers you're doing. And if you say, who's the greatest angel of all time? You say, Mike Trout. I said, oh, okay. 
And you'll be able to think about that as an oh, okay, the same way I just did oh, okay for Ruth, oh, okay for Musial, oh, okay for Williams, oh, okay for Mays, for Aaron, for Yount, for Randy Johnson, for Seaver. That will make sense. And I started looking at the two franchises where, that have the reputation of losing their players based upon the fact that for whatever reason, whether it's ownership, stadium, or the fact that Florida hasn't become the major league haven that people thought it was going to be, Tampa Bay and the Marlins are two franchises that can't seem to keep their stars together, always are cutting and saving and scrimping and saving, and there is a possibility that we are going that we can go watch the greatest ray of all time and the greatest marlin of all time play now and i'd like to be able to appreciate that i'm savoring what's happening in anaheim the greatest angel of all time is a current angel and he will be the greatest angel of all time statistically historically if he stays healthy in tampa And in Miami, we could very well be seeing the greatest in the history of those respective franchises. And by that, I mean not just players with talent and not just players who have put up big numbers for their teams, but can be that player that you point to and think of the minute you think of that franchise. Every name I mention, especially the likes of Gwyn especially the likes of Williams and, you know, Ruth. and Who is, I'm going to go to the uh, Orioles. The, the top one list on the Orioles is Cal Ripken. Again, not a big shock right there. Evan Longoria is, statistically, the greatest Ray of all time. Part of that has to do with the fact that he's a wonderful player. He's a, you know, he has had some excellent, excellent seasons. Uh, a couple of seasons he put together, got some MVP consideration. Uh, over the last few years, he had the one injury plague season, which was 2012. But for the big chunk of his career, he has been an everyday player playing in 150, sometimes 160 games a year. And when he steps on the field to start the 2017 season, that will be his 10th season as a member of the Tampa Bay Rays. And I've said this on the podcast before. You really, in this day and age, you can't ask someone to play more than 10 years for a franchise. You can't expect that. If you play 10 years with a franchise, that's a full decade. And a decade that has seen him go to the postseason in 2008, in 2010, in 2011, and 2013, and, and go to a World Series in one of those years. For Tampa, he's had a bunch of October experience. The most, the the biggest moments in the history of that franchise, and and Longoria has played a huge part in a lot of those moments. Remember, he hit four home runs in the American League Championship Series victory over the Red Sox in two thousand and eight. And when you go to take a look at the history of the Rays, albeit not a, you know, 
not filled with stars, but as I just said, filled with many years where they were a big-time contender. I mean, they were a laughing stock for the first bunch of years, but do you know what? They became a regular contender and participant in the postseason. And when you look at things like games played, no one has played more games in a Rays uniform than Evan Longoria. And by the end of this year, he just needs about 150 more plate appearances, and he'll have more, uh, he actually has the most plate appearances, he'll have more at-bats, he'll have the most runs scored, he'll have the most hits. He's got to pass Carl Crawford at all these things this year. He already has the most total bases, the most doubles, the most home runs, the most runs batted in. This is a player, when you think of the Rays, he is the greatest Ray of all time. And what I hope happens, because he's put, he has about maybe three or four elite seasons under his belt. I would like to see him somehow get back to that. I'd like to see him get back to at least getting a few MVP votes thrown his way, because I would love to see him elevate from being a good, solid player to becoming a Hall of Famer. Because I would like this franchise to have a Hall of Famer that you associate with their team, like I mentioned everything else, every other player. I don't think he's going to do it. I mean, if you, go, if you use his page and you see who the, the, um, the, the frame of reference of some of the players he's, he's similar to, you know, it's players who had really good, solid careers, the likes of Eric Chavez, the likes of Ryan Zimmerman, the likes of uh, Nelson Cruz and Jesse Barfield, but not someone you look at and say, man, he's an elite player. I hope he reaches some of these milestones that you look at for the Hall of Fame, but he is the greatest Ray of all time. And for that franchise, that's something I would like to be able to savor for a little bit, that we get to see their answer to who's the best who's ever worn this uniform, who's worn it the most proudly. And, of course, he is signed through 2023, um, so he'll probably spend his entire career there. A lifetime Ray in an era where that's very rare. So the other player I want to look at, and he has a, putting together a slightly more compelling case for a potential Hall of Fame career, although he didn't necessarily have a great year this year, Giancarlo Stanton could very well, before all is said and all is also done, become the greatest Marlin of all time. He already has the highest war. He's already at the top of that. And he is perilously close to a lot of the all-time records, including things like games played and you know, on-base percentage and things like that. Uh, and he will probably pass that in due time. He already has the most home runs. He's gaining on runs bad in. He ha- he will undoubtedly have the most hits. He will lead most of the categories. And I hope, because you know, he had a down, he had a, he had a, uh, a was having a wonderful uh, MVP caliber season in 2015 before he got injured, and he came back in 20, uh, this year. His power was still there, but. He didn't have the same overall terrific year. 
And if he could bounce back, he was, remember, he was the MVP runner-up in 2014. He has had some tremendous elite seasons as a Marlin. If he can get back to that level, now, is he the most talented Marlin of all time? No, I think Miguel Cabrera was, but he was traded away. If Stanton can get back to the level of superstar, MVP caliber player, and remember, he signed that redonkulous long-term contract that has him signed with the Marlins until the heat death of the universe. But he actually has an opt-out clause at the end of the 2020 season. But that would have him play the 10 years as a member of the Marlins. Remember, he came up as Mike Stanton? Gene Carlos is much better. And he will probably have all the team records and be the franchise player that you say, yeah, when you think of the Marlins, you think of him. Now, once they both reach 10 years with them, then, as I said, you can't ask for more than that, especially in this day and age of free agency. But what I want to see is this. What I want to see, and this is going to sound strange, because we're in a point where we just saw the Cubs play the Indians, and we saw all sorts of tradition, we saw all sorts of this or that. I would like very, very much to see if the Rays win the World Series, if the Miami Marlins win the World Series, and for that matter, if the Angels win the World Series. I would want them to win with those names I mentioned earlier. I want... The, the Rays should have some sense of urgency to win with Longoria as a member of this team. The same with the Marlins with Stanton. I remember very specifically a moment that really made me feel good as a baseball fan. When the Rockies won the pennant in 2007, they had that maniacal three-week period where they couldn't lose a game. And normally when you see a team clinch, the image, as I said, is the pitcher on the mound jumping up. But when the Rockies won the pennant, the image that was shown was Todd Helton, who caught the final out and looked up to the sky with us, looked at, we won the pennant. Helton is that name with the Rockies. And the fact that he stayed his entire career with the Rockies, but was on the team that went to the World Series, its sense of... Yes, their greatest player got to go to the World Series with the team. That was their greatest moment and included their greatest player. Now, the Rays already have a pennant under their belt with Longoria, so in that such, that's already been done, but that happened early in his career. I'd like, even though I'm not a Rays fan, if the Rays are going to win and they can win with Longoria, I think that would be a beautiful thing and be something so positive for that franchise. The same thing with the Marlins, a franchise that already has two World Series titles, but none with their greatest player. It's something that feels strange about that franchise, that they have two World Series titles, and yet the greatest player to don the uniform has yet to even play in a wild card game for them. There is a sense of if you're going to win, try to win with someone, with people on the team that you can always relate to, that you can always point to and say, that's our greatest guy and that's our greatest moment. 
Mays won a World Series with the Giants. Aaron won a World Series with the Braves. Seaver won a World Series with the Mets. Ripken won a World Series with Baltimore. Randy Johnson won a World Series with Arizona. It's a hole in the resume that Ken Griffey Jr. never went to the World Series, period, but certainly not with Seattle. That Gwynn never, well, Gwynn went to two World Series at least with the Padres. But when you saw a chance to have a player, the greatest player of that franchise, win with that franchise, do you know what? It's something I want to see have a sense of urgency with these teams I just mentioned. You've got the best player, those three players I mentioned, but I'm focusing on the two teams in Florida now. You have the best players to ever put on the uni under contract for the next bunch of years. Now, the rest of the country may not care the same way they cared about the Cubs or the same way they cared about the Red Sox. But you're trying to build a fan base there. You're trying to build interest there. And if you can win, and win with a player who should be beloved by your fan base, folks, that's something that the Florida teams should focus on. You know, we're checking off the curses. We're checking off the teams that are doomed. And we're moving on to new things and new mountains to climb in baseball in terms of emotion, in terms of feeling good. And it can't always be going to black and white clips. Sometimes you have to point and say, hey, look it. We're trying to build new memories. We're trying to build new things to cling to. The Mets at one point were an expansion team, a young team, as were the Diamondbacks, as were the Royals. The Royals won with their greatest player, George Brett. Sometimes you have to create the new fan bases and create the new interest and create a great new memory and not have to worry about does it fit into the old-timey narrative, but create a new narrative. Todd Helton, looking up to the sky, was a beautiful moment for a team that was formed when Bill Clinton was, in pres- was the president, not freaking Theodore Roosevelt. So Rays and Marlins, you're on the clock. You have talent on the team. You have good people involved in the team. And you have your greatest player. You're in an AL East that's very winnable. An NL East that's potentially winnable. You have to take advantage of this. Don't let the chance of having your greatest player slip by without putting a ring on that finger. Or wait for him to get a ring elsewhere, like Paul Molitor, who's at the top, or I believe at the top, one of the two, with Milwaukee, had to get it in Toronto. So let's get on it. Let's work on it. Your greatest player is currently under contract. In some ways, the hard part's over. The hard part for me is to keep doing a podcast every single day for 365 days a year, but I think I'm going to do it. I just talked 20-some-odd minutes in the middle of the off-season about the Marlins and the Rays, and I'm keep going. 
So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Cheering on the Rays and the Marlins, you know, like you do. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.